Albuquerque to the garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Bing Crosby. He is Bing Crosby. It's almost Christmas time, so that's fair. Yeah, I'm going to sing. White Christmas. White Christmas. And don't beat your kids. Don't beat your children. (laughs) And may all your Christmases be white. The theme this month is going to be abbreviated because we, we, you know, life, like we mentioned, kickstart. Uh, So I guess in the 80s, (laughs) while Steven Spielberg was building up his empire in horror was like, it seemed like they're dropping like 20, 30 low budget slashers every week. Hollywood, this town studios had an obsession with Vietnam movies and buddy movies, crime thrillers and buddy cop movies. And this one, man, we got all three of those. Yeah. We have 1988's off limits. Boom. This one, when we picked up, when we decided we we're going to do buddy cop movies, like this is like one of the first ones that was on the list. I'm like, yep. No one's seen it. <laughs> That's a, what's weird about nobody seeing it is that you got two dudes in there that came off the biggest movies. Their, their previous movies they'd done were the two biggest movies they had done to date. Yeah. Both Willem Dafoe and Gregory Hines had come off of Platoon and Running Scared just two years earlier. Yeah, and I think Dafoe had also just come off of Mississippi Burning. Was that, 88? That's a, yeah, 80, yeah. By the way, 88, man. 88 has some great movies. On t- along with the two we just mentioned, Keith David's in it. Yep. And he would have uh, They Live later on in the year. And he'd also been in Platoon. He was also in Platoon with Defoe. While the story takes place in Vietnam, this isn't uh, Chuck Norris, Sylvester Stallone rescuing nope. POWs. Not, let's bring movie. the boys back. <laughs> Off Limits has more in common with those gritty LA crime thrillers that we talked about from the 80s than it does Rambo. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, look, if 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 I was going to say this this movie this movie has more in common with Bullet yep. <laughs> than it does with Rambo or in a, a you know, or Night of the Generals if I want to pick another war movie that, you know, I think it was Anatoly Liptic, Omar Sharif and Peter O'Toole. This has like this is the most un-Vietnam of those Vietnam movies, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like about a battle. It's a detective story yep. or a buddy cop movie that just happens to be set in Saigon. Ironically, it was Platoon, even though that's very much a war movie. That's where they kind of did that shift where they stopped making about missing in action movies and, you know, yeah. Rambo sequels. And it shifted to be a little more, hey, this is the kind of shit that happened over there. And what's interesting about it, like we were talking about, you literally could just drop this in in, in Los Angeles and it would still work. Yeah, I think they did some reshoots here. They did. <laughs> Most of the scenes with Willem Dafoe wearing a wig in this movie were reshoots. <laughs> Which is really funny, right? Because there's a crack in there about him getting a haircut from his, from his colonel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you work for me, son? <laughs> Get a haircut. Get a haircut. You work for me. You're not in the field. <laughs> uh, like a lot of movies that took place in Vietnam, if you, if you saw some outside locations, it was either Cambodia or Thailand, and this is the latter. You were getting a lot of that. And this movie looks cool, dude. I mean, what they recreated, it's pretty amazing. It really is. And one of the things that was kind of as a drag, the movie's only available on DVD. You can't even rent the silly fucker anymore. It's not even on Shout Factory TV. I made sure that it wasn't before we got on mic. And yeah, it's it's a weird one because it is available on Shout Factory. It's a double pack of on a DVD. With what's the other film, Corey? 
Shit, I'm blanking on it right now. Gordon's War. Gordon's War. Thank you. With Paul Winfield, right? Yeah. Which is another really weird, like odd pairing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like like it was with um, Nickel Ride. Nickel Ride. Uh, 99, 90, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. They're really funny about doing that kind of thing. Like, well, you know, we can't just put this as a standalone. We got to put something else to sell. And people go, oh, all right, well, two for one. I'll buy that. Even though you have no fucking clue what it is. Like, I don't even remember what the hell it was. And I, I haven't even seen it either. I don't think I've ever seen Gordon's War. I've only seen it because I bought that disc. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, both both Hines and Defoe in this play undercover military police, plain clothes, kind of like I said, this is one of the reasons why it would work so well in, in LA. Because the tone of it is just LA. It's just the location's yeah. been shifted. Yep. And ironically, the the director of the movie, Christopher Crowe, who also is known to be a writer, first and foremost, but he wrote The Mean Season. Oh, yeah, which I'm a big fan of. And that was his first feature he wrote. Well, actually, that's not true. Nightmares was the first feature that he wrote. But this is the first feature, like, studio movie that he wrote was Mean Season. Yeah. And then he did Whispers in the Dark four years after this, which he also directed. And then he also co-wrote with Michael Mann, The Last of the Mohicans. Right. Fear, uh, four years after that. So he's got a penchant for creating suspenseful thriller-type movies just like this. You and I were uh, kind of, you were telling me you were, what was it you were watching? Oh, you were, you were watching The Morning After. Yeah. And I commented to you about how we don't get these middle-budgeted type movies anymore that kind of fit that thriller, sex thriller. And even though this is more crime thriller, it does have a, a sex oh, element Oh, yeah, there's a sex, the undertone. Yeah. I mean, that whole, the, the whole thing's built around somebody killing hookers. <laughs> the movie, it's, it's, it, there's moments where it oddly reminds me of the first 48 hours. No, no, yeah, I, absolutely. And it's, I don't know if it's the score. The score is from uh, from James Newton Howard. That guy's got body of workers from the 80s on. He's, and he's just done something fairly recently too. But his score is really solid in this too. So, and, and it's almost like his score could have easily been dropped into like an LA movie and it would have worked through and through. And it really sells the grittiness of the movie. Now, I mentioned that just being on DVD and I was kind of like, oh, I'm always like bummed that something's not available on Blu-ray. Honestly, I think the movie lends itself better to being a little bit, Grainy. Grainy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely does. You wouldn't want to, I don't think you'd want, I don't think this thing would have the same sort of visual impact that it does if, if it was, if it was cleaned up too much, if it was a 4K scan, I think it just wouldn't look the same. I discovered this movie, oddly enough, never saw it in a theater. I don't even know if it was released in any theaters where I grew up. I, I saw it on VHS. I was working in a video store when it came out and that's how I knew it. And then um, I think I picked up a laser disc at some point. But still, even, you know, that, even that laser disc doesn't look, you know, it looks like, it looks like the DVD. <laughs> you have a movie that has two big people in it. And at the time they were in demand, you know, yeah. Platoon made Defoe a star. Yep. Gregory Hines, again, the last thing he did prior to this was with Billy Crystal and Running Scared. And that made, that movie made a ton of money. It saw, a, a, you know, a really strong life on home video when it hit VHS. So he was in demand too. But it got dumped in March of 88. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, yeah. it's such a weird... That's when you drop spring break horror movies. You don't drop... <laughs> although this maybe, you know, I mean, I guess if you... if you, I don't know if you really wanted to... I don't know if anybody could convince me this is a horror movie. But, you know, it does have aspects of stalker slap. You know, this reminds yeah. me also of a couple... It reminds me of uh, early 80s Charles Bronson movies, right? Yeah. Like 10 to Midnight, where the, you know... You know, I don't want to give anything away for anybody who hasn't seen this. But, I mean, the cast is great Dude, outside yeah. of the two yeah. leads. I mean, you got Fred Ward. 
You get Scott Glenn shows up. Um, do you, Amanda Pays, who I love, and I told you I keep I confuse yes. her playing the uh, <laughs> right. playing uh, Sister Nicole. Cynthia Gibbs performance in Salvador yeah. <laughs> also oddly as a nun, but yeah, they, yeah sometimes I, you know, they, they, the two just sort of meld together and I forget which movie I'm watching or I'm talking about. Uh, so if that happens, just let me know. Um, but do you know, what's crazy is the two other um, characters just David Allen Greer. This must've been his first movie, man. It was, it was just, it wasn't his first movie. Um, uh, 87. What the hell? Oh, he, his, he, he did that. Hollywood shuffle. No, Hollywood shuffle. I think was after it? this, right? Yes. I think it might've been 88 as also. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, he did uh, Amazon women on the moon. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Yeah. And he did all the, all the little funny, like uh, song bumpers, like album. His, his uh, what the hell was his name? I forgot. But but he was a baby in this. There's, I yeah. agree. He and he was as soon as he showed up. I'm like, oh shit, dude. I, I mean, I kid you not. I don't think I've seen this in 30 plus. No, easy. It's a movie that should have done better, but even the studio didn't have a lot of confidence. And Fox just said, you know what, we're just going to go and put this out in March. But like it's funny, you know, it's Scott Glenn, Fred Ward reuniting from the right stuff. Yep, from five years earlier. Raymond O'Connor is in it briefly. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like going, wait, is that Raymond O'Connor? Holy Flowers! shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and dude, he, and Richard Brooks shows yeah. up for one scene. Yeah. As preacher. And he's like, he's hardly in the movie either. But again, I don't want to give anything away, but there's some names in there that you think, whoa, they expire quickly. And I, and it, and it surprised me and, and obviously not our two leads, but it was interesting about, but like when Scott, and again, Scott Glenn, come on, this is like when he was just, killing it oh dude it's got yeah scott glenn shows up and you know it's funny it's funny too that you know the couple scenes with him with these guys and and they're both i mean i, I dude defoe and heinz high high screen chemistry you know oh, yeah. good chemistry between the two of them but you know they they have a big personality on screen yeah but dude in those scenes with glenn it's literally like you know you're just watching scott glenn at that point right in those scenes yeah exactly and it's fitting too that because the character that Scott Glenn plays, he he plays somebody that demands you pay attention to him. So it's fitting in performance wise too that everybody kind of like just sits back and lets him do his thing. Another standout performance, oddly, is not oddly, uh, just it's something I you know I, I never really realized it until I was watching it a couple of days ago. Uh, K Tong Lim as uh, Lime Green. He's yep. good. Yeah, he real is. good. He's really good. And uh, I, I feel like I've seen him in other things and I, I got to kind of deep dive it other than, you know, I think he, maybe he was in the Bruce Lee, the Jason Lee, Bruce Lee, was it Dragon? Is that what it was called? Dragon? Is the other thing I, I recognize his face from, but I really, you know, appreciate his performance in this movie. Yeah. He played Philip Tan in, in, in Dragon in 93. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's also in It Could Happen to You. Another Nick, oh, Nick Cage right. glory. Yeah. So, he, so yeah, he's, as soon as I saw him, oh, and, and I don't, and the wonderful. Shanghai surprise two years before this. Yeah, man. I'm a big fan. <laughs> but I kind of mentioned briefly about how the movie looks too. I don't want to forget about this because David Gribble is the the DP on this. And this guy's like done some shit, man. He did Running on Empty, which is not the Running on Empty you think. It was this really low budget like knockoff of Gone in 60 Seconds that, I, that I, I just fell in love with. But the year after this, he does, he reunites with Gregory Hines for Tap. Right. It was kind of nutty too. Is James Newton Howard, the composer of this, 
also was the did the score for Tap. Didn't that's not the same producers, it's not the same director. It's really funny how those three came back together for a movie that's drastically different than this one. But man, Gregory Hines in this, his character has got a little bit of an obsession with when it comes to shaking down suspects. Um of telling him I'm gonna toss your balls in the street. <laughs> he does it like three times. I say we pull his balls off. <laughs> you just toss them in the street. What? It's such a weird thing, but I, I if you think about it, the Vietnamese locals, their English isn't gonna be very good. And you know, they know what balls are, so it's not a hard sell. And it also was a lot easier to sell too with that first guy they shake down because Gregory Hines sticks his hand down the suspect's pants to grab a hold of him, like, you know what, I'm just gonna rip him off and throw him in the street. It's it's a great setup right away to let you know who McGriff and Perkins are. Just right, they're no nonsense because they recognize the fact that we can get killed walking around the corner by yeah, just man. some random anything. And there's lots of moments like that in the movie where they're targeted by locals and higher forces above them. And it's yeah, it's a really it's a great it's a good mystery too, man. It's yeah, uh, you know, and yeah. and it and and it and it's written well. And I mean, you don't really. I don't want to give away the ending. Uh, you know, you guys should try to seek this movie out. I mean, hit me up. I'll mail you my DVD. Why don't you send it back? <laughs> it's wound real tight. I want to say something. Not only is the cinematography, but I mean, Dennis Washington's production design is fucking so good, yeah. man. All that is created. And some of those locations, like the uh, the burned out location where uh, Perkins and McGriff uh, get the drop on those guys. When they're running through the city and they're being chased by the guys with the machine guns, right. the kill squad guys, and they they run into that burned out. That that was just a location that they found that w- just happened to be burned out. Right. Uh, you know they didn't build that, and I only know this because I listened to the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that smart. It's all the DVD gives you. It gives you play the movie or play the movie with commentary, which is actually kind of. I was shocked that I even got that. Honestly, right. You know for what it is, but it, it's 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 a pretty fun commentary listening to Defoe sort of, I'll let, I'll let you guys listen to it. And then, you know, you, it's funny cause just listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, dude, how about Amanda Pay is just crushing yep. that French accent too. Right. I, I totally forgot that, that she was playing, you know, until she started, I was like, Oh, holy shit. Because you know, she's not French, but she was, it was, she nailed it. Right. And it's hard to do. Like sometimes you hear it, you hear people trying to do the French accent, like Steve Martin. And you're like, Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're, you're trying to be intentionally bad, but you're just bad. You know, it's so great. She had a fun little run too in the eighties, yeah. you know, Leviathan, Leviathan, the year after this, before this, it was the kindred for your, for genre folks out there Yep, in Oxford blues with Rob Lowe. Oh, in dude, I love that movie. And she, it's a great movie. It's always overlooked. It's back when we had bad boy Rob Lowe and it was, yeah, dude, and she's great in it. She's not in it a lot, but. That's the first thing I ever discovered her in. So when you fast forward to Kindred, I'm like, oh, that's why it was a draw for me. A horror movie and and this this Amanda person yeah. that I barely knew. But yeah, it was good. But Leviathan, of course, was a good time if you don't want to watch The Abyss or <laughs> I guess see Deep Sea 6, Deep Sea 9, Deep Sea 50, whatever. Fuck Leviathan. I ever, Leviathan. Stop it. Stop uh, it. <laughs> one of the cool things about this is the, the action set pieces are really good, man. They like, are. I mean, some of that stuff looks pretty dangerous. <laughs> like when, when, the, when they blow the doors in at the beginning, when, yeah. uh, dude, I, I'm, I'm guessing again, just listen to the commentary. Yeah. A lot of that stuff shooting overseas, there's a lot of, like when they're running through that field, when they, they're, when they're looking for flowers right. and those charges are going off real close to them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Real close. Yeah. It's a, it's a really fun kind of lost thriller from that period. And it's so weird, like we said earlier, is, you know, you got Defoe coming off a run of, you know, I'll, I'll go back and start with Streets of Fire and then Platoon yep. and then Mississippi Burning. And I'm sure there's a couple of other things in there I'm not thinking of, but I mean, and then we get this and then, I mean, and he just kept going. Right. So, it, you know, and Heinz, Dude, and God, dude, um, you know, this movie really missed me. Maybe Miss Gregory Hines. I, I, I was the same way. I felt the same way watching it the entire time. I wanted time. to go watch The Cotton Club. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Fi- you know, just so I could, or, or White Knights. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, he was the, he's, I mean, he, he's, God, he's been gone almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. 2003. Holy shit. And he was very, he was very young. He was 55 or 56. Yeah. Fucking cancer, dude. Fuck cancer. Yeah. Dude, he's so good in this. And he's so, it, this is a Gregory Hines, you know, this is like the Gregory Hines from Wolfen. Wolfen was probably the first movie, Wolfen or, or History of the World Part One yeah. were probably the two first movies I've ever, I'd ever seen him in. But this is like Gregory Hines. We hadn't seen him a lot. You know, we'd seen him in Running Scared and, you know, he was kind of was you know, funny, that whole bit. But I mean, this is, he's, he's, he's really good and, and totally believable as a hardened CID cop in, you know, Saigon in 68. We talked about his other movies and then, you know, White Knights. I, yeah. is like, is, is, is a movie that just works in 85. It just, but you put it, if you, they would have tried to make that movie in the nineties, it wouldn't have worked. The seventies, it wouldn't have worked. Obviously the whole cold war was still present in both those, in both those uh, decades, but it just didn't work the same way. But it's funny is I, all it did when you when I watch White Knights is it makes you want to watch Tap because I, I just you just don't see him dance enough, right? And at Cotton Club you do, but you know it's not like this where you get to see that. I yeah, dude, I, I totally watched this. I I just I wanted to watch stuff where he was just the guy. Yeah, he's missed fifty seven, dude. That's just fucked, dude. I hate. I just it's it's tragic. That's the kind of draw he was. Because, like, the, just, again, the last time we saw him before Off Limits was Running Scared, a buddy cop movie. But how drastically different are the two movies? And yet it's just as believable because that's, he was the fucking man. Yeah. This, I mean, I mean, being paired with, he shows you can do comedy being paired with Billy Crystal. And Billy Crystal, we saw on Soap, we know we could do drama. But him being paired with another dramatic yeah. actor at the beginning, really beginning of his career with Willem, dude. <laughs> I mean, what's funny is that I, this movie's way better than Running Scared. Oh, I yeah. mean, you know, you know I like Running Scared, but I like Running Scared because of the disaster it is. I mean, it's, it's you know, when I think of Running Scared, I mostly think of Michael McDonald's music video and a few other key moments. But this movie's way better than Running Scared. And he's better in this than he is in Running Scared. In Running Scared, there's a lot of... 80s ad-libbing going on. And, and there's some ad-libbing going on in this, I'm sure, as well. But it, it really sort of, it fits the film and doesn't detract. And sometimes I feel like in Running Scared, you know, they didn't have a script and they were just like making shit up. <laughs> right. They but, were. um, so the basic setup, we didn't talk about it. it it's kind of like Jack the Ripper, right? In Saigon. Right. That's really what it is, right? And, you know, I mean, I don't want to say that they're Holmes and Watson, but for a lack of better, kind of they are. But it's just... um more hardened look at Jack the Ripper tale. And it, you know, also, like you said, this could have easily been LA, but it's cool that it's not. What makes the car chases and stuff fresh is what we're seeing them drive through. 
Right. And chasing those guys on motorcycles through crowds, dude. And like that scene where the, uh, where, where the Heinz gets hit in the head with the rock and the, in the, in the, those are all extras, you know, and they, but dude, they are fucking that car up. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they, I mean, the, you know, they were just going for it. Those extras, they, they'd never done it before. They were just, <laughs> you know, the actors looked like they could have been in some, you know, serious shit. <laughs> yeah. There's a testament to what you're saying. The Vietnam people and the Thai people look a lot alike enough alike, and they were bringing in some Vietnamese actors to kind of for the for the speaking scenes. But it isn't just the location; it's the people there. It's the way, as you noted earlier, the way this you know some of the production design were able to a lot of this stuff. They didn't have to dress a lot because it was already there. They were able to just find things that already existed. That's what sells it. It makes it work and it feels so different at the same time as still feeling familiar is the location. And if you're not used to seeing that, even to that point, even now, how many crime dramas have you seen based in Vietnam? Forget about the time period. Yeah, it really works. And their chemistry is just. Yeah, man, I wanted another movie with two of them. Yeah. And it had this movie done better, had it actually at least made its money back. Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, it would have been more in demand. What's funny is like, I, you know, doing my research, I'm like, again, this predates Rotten Tomatoes and that kind of stuff by decades. It's still for the people that have seen it. It's only it's kind of 50 percent audience rating. Yep. And that just tells me I'm like, what, like three people saw it and two didn't like it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's impossible to find in the 80s and early 90s. It was all over Showtime and HBO. It was all over the place. But now people, it's just not anywhere. And I don't know what if the rights thing, I mean, even if Shout TV could put put it on their streamer, they would. So they're obviously they don't have the rights to even do that. I think technically, I think they're, I think the DVDs out of print. They just have stock. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think it's even available anymore as in, I think the license expired some time ago. If I was to dig out my Laserdisc, I think it's CBS Fox. It was. The parent company. Yeah. Yeah, but I can't see this showing up on the Disney Channel. No. <laughs> Disney Plus. Doesn't seem like their type of thing. Yeah, it's still readily available at Shout. But here's what sucks. if when Because, again, we talked about doing this. I had to order the DVD. I had to go to Google to find it because I typed in off-limits DVD in, on Amazon, and that shit doesn't come up. Right. I don't know why. Because technically, Gordon's War is the primary and off-limits is the secondary. Weirdly enough. Yeah. but I know. Like, who would have ever thought, oh, I need to Google Gordon's War. on? Uh, I look up Gordon's War on Amazon. Oh, there it is. Oh, and yeah. it comes with off limits. It's weird. I mean, one of the reasons we picked it is because no one's, you know, it's not a, it's a movie that is overlooked, criminally yeah. overlooked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it deserves to have an audience. Um, you know, what? what's funny is if, uh, if it was only streamable. <laughs> Yeah. You could stream this with Willem's latest, which is also Walter Hill's latest, which is now available for streaming dead for a dollar. You know, it's funny. I, I, earlier I mentioned like the, you know, about Stallone, you, the Stallone and Chuck Norris types aren't, you know, this isn't their kind of POW rescuing in Vietnam kind of thing, but there is a sly in it. Yeah. <laughs> sly in the family stones. Stan closes the movie out and I'm like going, this movie's fucking perfect. What a great soundtrack, right? You oh, get, yeah. You get that. You get, uh, there's a there's a moment where you get Man's World by James Brown. Yep. They're sort of, they're investigating. They're, they're, there's a long shot. They're standing outside of 
Yeah. I think they're standing, they're standing outside the car and some, yeah. But I just remember hearing it and, it was, you know, and it's kind of like coming from a radio. It's coming from a source in the square where they're playing. So it's not like they just drop the track. Oh, you know, like it's, I love that about these kind of movies, especially these period, uh, especially in these Vietnam movies, they did it really well. There's a moment uh, in good morning, Vietnam. And in most of good morning, Vietnam, it's all source radio because it's Adrian Cronauer. It's, but I, that's the movie I noticed it the most in out of all these Vietnam movies, but this one does that really well. It's the opening sequence. What is the opening song in this movie? You know, as they're tracking through that apartment, you know, where the, where the killer is, where the, where he kills the first one. There's a song on the radio and I, I'm totally drawn. Oh back. man. I don't remember what it but is. But it's now. playing on the radio. Yeah. I feel like maybe you hear Adrian Cronhauer some point during this movie over the radio. That would is, be, see, and I, if the, yeah, I didn't even think of it and I got to go back and watch it, that part of it. <laughs> I, I think you do. Oh, okay. There's That's a point where I think it's, and I think it's the real, you know, I think it's the real, it's, you know, it's archival radio. Um, but you're hearing the real Adrian Cronauer and it's just a bit, it's just like quick pop. You know, it's like, I want, I want to talk about the sound design too. There isn't a lot. <laughs> no. And it helps. It does. It really does. You're probably racked back about, about 25, 30 feet from a car to get in the car and close the doors, but you don't hear the doors closing. And it's like, is like the door shutting. There's something about the, you know, because they were outside so much that they were clearly were dealing with a great deal of ambient sounds and noises that made it difficult because I can tell the majority of the movie is ADR. It's all looped. Very little of it isn't. But I thought what they did was really sell to you the feeling that they had where you do have that. You know how it is when you get water in your ears and it affects your hearing, but also affects your equilibrium. Yeah. And it kind of leaves you a little bit, um, you know, off. That's how I feel about not hearing everything in the movie. It's you, it, it, it it's very off putting. It kind of puts you off, uh, out of, off, out of balance really. And, oh, this ADR thing is going to bother me. And then, and then eventually it just doesn't. I realized why that was. And then I just succumbed to it. Cause I mean, again, I haven't seen it in 30 years. I was less discerning about that kind of thing back in, 92 93 whenever it was i saw it last yeah watching it now not having the sound design and i've mentioned other other things we've watched sometimes the best sound design is not using anything at all yep there's no reason to put in hard effects because well, who cares i know what a door sounds like when it closes exactly and it's not the it's not the point of the movie and it, and it takes away that kind of stuff can take away from the story it's being told the sound that you need to hear when you need to hear this relative to the story that's there. You don't need to like, I mean, now if this movie was made, you would have had wishes on the doors as they were closing before you even heard the door close. <laughs> I mean, it's just a different kind of movie, different kind of filmmaking. The, the writing's different. The, 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 the cinematography is different. Everything's different about it. Like we noted on off earlier that we had our conversation, they just don't make movies like this anymore. And I don't mean, Vietnam undercover cop military cop movies. I'm just saying the kind of movie where they're not worried about anything else than a good story being told. And they just let the people make it. Um, why they chose to dump it when they did. I don't know. I got a feeling I, I, this movie had to have tested well, right? Or maybe people were put off by Gregory Hines in a serious role. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. I'm not sure either. And I, I don't know why it didn't do well. I mean, you know, 
I'm trying to think what else came out in that spring of 88. I feel like maybe it came out the same weekend as like Biloxi Blues or something, you know, because that's the kind of movies that came out in March, uh, you know, in, in, when we were growing up or slasher films. Like I felt like that's that was kind of the time when you'd get a Friday the 13th movie, right? Every spring, like right before spring break, Hot Dog the movie or some sort of light comedy. This This is the kind of movie that, you know, I, to me, this feels more like it could have been released in the summer or like, you know, or in the late fall. Um, I don't, I'm trying to remember when Platoon was released. I don't remember. But yeah, it's really bizarre. You know what you can do? I just realized if you go to eBay and you look for this movie, it was called Saigon. You can get an all-region DVD, but I don't know what's on that DVD. The reason why the movie's called Off Limits is because Saigon is off limits to the military. Yes. And that's why it's called that. It's not their jurisdiction. And you say that a couple of times, in there, but they don't say Saigon specifically. They just know where their jurisdiction is in the movie. And that's what that's why it had a subtitle. Off Limits was the subtitle for most countries when it was released. Off Limits is such a perfect name. Way better name. Way better name because it fits into what we're talking about. It fits into that crime thriller type of name. And I think maybe that's why people, maybe that's why I didn't find an audience, because Off Limits just kind of sounds like, oh, it's one of those. Right. It's not. <laughs> no. It's the opposite of one of those. It's easy to find. It's, again, it's on available on Amazon. Like, you know, it's on eBay too. And it's on, and it's on Shout. It's like, yep. um, it's, it's available wherever you want to pick it up. It's not hard. It's wonderfully written. It's the direction is deft because you don't see more than you need to. And there's some real money shots in this. And, and you don't, it's not just the, the stuff we talked about where you feels like it could be LA if it, if you wanted to be, you see a lot of countryside in, in, in Thailand and when they're shooting some, a lot of helicopter stuff, again, we can't get too much into that because it is part of the story, but there's nothing about this movie not to love. And I, I don't think there's a lot of people that listen to our show that know we recommend this kind of movie that come back and say, that movie sucked. <laughs> right. I, we don't know what you saw on it. This is one of those movies that is worth your eight bucks by the DVD. I can't tell you about Gordon's war. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. It's can, not bad. It's, it's not. actually, it's quite interesting. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give it that. I'll, I, I'm going to say it's, you know, it's not, a, it's not a terrible movie. And if you're buying it for off limits, it's a bonus. It's a, there you go. Bonus. It's not a, it's not like, oh shit, you're saddled with something. You're never going to watch because it's worth at least one watch. Yeah, I'm going to note that we were asking about a Platoon. Platoon had a limited release at the end of 86 for award season, but it didn't get a theatrical release wide until February of 87. So oh. right, you know, just, just as the Oscars were approaching. But that's, you know, but this is just a year after that. So, I mean, it's, but th that, this movie already had Oscar buzz and that's why they kind of pushed it when they did and they made, and obviously made, it made a lot of nomination lists for other uh, awards. This movie coming out, Platoon, Platoon coming out in February of 87, it was expected. People were waiting for it. So it did, it did pretty, pretty decent dollars. Yep. March now you can get away with putting out movies. We've seen Deadpool get Dude, there released is no, in yeah, March. You can drop a movie whenever now. It doesn't matter. I mean, right. it's like, there is no like, oh, these are, this is the wasteland of when we drop shitty movies. Yeah. Early January and early September. <laughs> right. If you saw any movie that came out in November or December, it was Oscar fodder and they were pushing for awards. 
Or if it came out between May and August, how May and July, it's like summer, all, blockbusters. summer blockbusters. And then you didn't, anything outside of that was kind of like, we didn't know where to put it. Right. Now, if you got any, some shitty movies getting dropped in December, well, that was, that was for tax purposes. <laughs> yeah. You've got to get right off for the year. But a movie they're confident in is going to do well in the theater. They're not going to drop it in February, as of February or March of, of, of the eighties. Cause it doesn't work. This one's good. This one's better than good. It's super solid wonderfully performed. And you know what? If you have a lot uh, in your vocabulary when it comes to crime thrillers, you're going to feel comfortable in this world. Yep. Even though the location is drastically different than what we're used to seeing. And, and if you're a fan of Gregory Hines and you haven't seen this, it's, you know, it's kind of like get, getting to watch Gregory Hines again for the first time. Right. Or, you know, it's just something you haven't, you know, it's like having an old friend over for a little bit. Yeah. So this, here we are again. One of those movies that we just love the shit out of and we just machine gun yep. our love for it out there. And next thing you know, it's the episode's over. Boo. Pick this up. You're going to enjoy the shit out of it. I just don't see it being streaming anywhere anytime soon. Obviously, you if there was money to be made on streaming it and you know for rental purposes, it would be there. So it must be a licensing issue. Or a rights issue that somebody doesn't have control over the nobody. It's, it's you know we've we've seen so many things change hands in the last fifteen years. Companies buying this, companies buying that. This is one of those situations where I think it's just you can't get it anymore because nobody knows who the rights are, and no one's in, no one's banging their hand on the counter for yeah, man, for off limits. You but should you be, sh- but you should be. Damn it, <laughs> socials <laughs> again. Watching Twitter burn is a really weird thing, but we're still there at Karate Pod, uh, as well as Letterbox at Karate Pod. Same with Insta, or you can follow Corey at Culprit97 on Insta or on Letterbox at Corey underscore Culp. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram, or you can follow me as Buck McGriff on Letterbox. That's Buck McGriff at Letterboxd. Is this something McGruff, the crime dog? You can follow me as McGruff the Crime Dog. (laughs) Take a bite of the crime.